wrapping up a series today. We're calling, Nope, Satan, not today, not tomorrow, not the next day. Say it with me. Nope, Satan, not today, not tomorrow, not the next day, not any day. We're acknowledging, quite frankly, that there is a spiritual war going on, and it's the war for the souls of men and women. The battle lines were drawn a very long time ago. When Jesus said these words, John chapter 10, verse 10, familiar passage, if you've been around church very long, it goes simply like this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, and what did Jesus say? I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. So there's the battle lines. Who's the thief? It's Satan. It's the enemy of our souls. It's the father of lies. It's the accuser of the brethren. It's the great slanderer. Whatever names uh, you give him, the scriptures give him lots of different names, the bottom line is that he is very real, he's very active, but he is very defeated. Come on. He's very real, he's very active, but he's very defeated. He's going down. The bad news is that he's still around manipulating circumstances because he wants to take as many with him as he can before he actually goes down. The good news is you don't have to be afraid of him. You don't have to be afraid of him. Oh, Mr. Devil, don't bother me today. Well, you don't understand who you are and whose you are. You don't have to be afraid of him. Here's what Ephesians 6 says. We've read it every week throughout the series. I want you to get it into your heart, not just your head. Be strong in the Lord and in his great power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can fight against the devil's evil tricks. You see it? Satan has what? Evil tricks. What does God have? Great power. Power wins over tricks every time but here's the deal you have to tap into that power before that power is available to you you have to tap into that power before that power can do what that power can do otherwise the tricks win over and over and they're not even particularly creative there's nothing new about them he's been doing the same stuff since the beginning of time he keeps winning because we aren't tapping into the power source that's available to us and I for one am tired of watching soldiers of the king fall when they don't have to I'm fed up with the devil and his evil tricks working so throughout this series we've been talking about those evil tricks in simple terms if you're brand new with us today yeah we're just a bunch of crazy folks that's we're just just people crazy enough to believe that the bible is true that Jesus is real and that he's got fulfilling life for us we're just crazy enough to believe that's true but we're also crazy enough to believe that the Bible has the answers to all of the questions that life has us asking. And one of the questions is, how do you appropriate that power? Okay, God's got great power. Power wins over evil tricks. But how do you appropriate it? In order to do that, you've got to understand the battle and you've got to understand the weapons. And so for the last four weeks, we've been talking about the battle. We've been talking about the enemy, uh, his tactics and schemes. And today, I want us to lean into the weapons that are available to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5, be on the screens. Maybe you want to go to the Bridge NC app and pull up the notes. You can follow along with me in the notes. All the scriptures are there and key quotes as well. You can email me this week at info at bridgechurch.cc, info at bridgechurch.cc. I'd be glad to send you the very notes that I'm using this morning to help you study this in the future because I really want you to get this. But let's get into it, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. Read it with me. Can we read this one together? Here we go. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have... 
There's that word again, divine power to demolish strongholds. Here we go. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. A couple of key words, key phrases in there. The word strongholds is in see What's a stronghold? I mean, just think in human terms in, in history, what's a stronghold? You know, when pioneers would go into a new area, what would they do? They'd build a fortified area to protect themselves from the enemies. And so a stronghold is any fortified area that you have created to protect yourself from something on the outside. In this context, he's talking about any fortified area that blocks access to God. I want you to think about that for a minute. So if a stronghold begins to form in your heart, to protect you, many of us have been through stuff and we have stuff in our lives and we create what psychologists call defense mechanisms. The Bible calls them strongholds. And strongholds block access to God. The second key phrase you need to see or verse, words you need to see in the verse is arguments and pretensions. What are arguments and pretensions? He's talking about any idea that's contrary to the truth of God's word. Any idea that runs contrary to what God has said is an argument. It's a pretension because it's pretentious to think that you have a truth that's greater than God's truth because God's the one that invented one plus one, which is always equal to. You got that, right? They can come up with new math if they want to. They can come up with all kinds of new economies if they want to. But one plus one always equals less than three but more than one. I mean, that's what they do these days. They just kind of come up with this construct to avoid it. Hear me, guys. Anytime you believe one of Satan's lies, a stronghold begins to form, and in time, you begin to build strongholds that ultimately separate you from the very God that you want to be in relationship with. It begins to separate you from the people of God that you want to be in relationship with. And, and so you go to church and you see people engaging and you see hands raised and tears flowing and you go, why, why, don't, why, ain't, God, why ain't God, I ain't got that. You see people fellowshipping and opening their hearts and praying for one another. So why, I want to be a part of that. You see God blessing in people's lives. How come some people get blessings and I don't get blessings? I want some of that. Hear me, every time you believe one of Satan's lies, a stone gets added and in time this wall gets built and it blocks us out. So, so you gotta, you got to get from behind it. And you can. In fact, there is a standing invitation from Jesus Christ himself for you to step out from behind those barricades. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. You want to be an overcomer? Yeah, we all want to be overcomers. Yeah, we all want to overcome strongholds. We all want to remove barriers between us and God. Of course we do, but you got to know that the only way you can do that is to be honest about the obstacles. you got to be honest with yourself and God about the strongholds that have formed. Dr. Chris Thurman, who was an email 
a buddy of mine for a while. We exchanged emails for quite a while. As he was he was writing a book, and I was writing a book, and we just kind of shared ideas with each other. And and, uh, and here's one of my favorite Dr. Thurman quotes. He said, "Behind every self-defeating behavior is a self-deceiving lie that I'm holding on to." So if there's something going on in your life, are you tracking with that? If there's something going on in your life that's not fulfilling, it's not abundant, it doesn't line up with what Jesus promised to give you, then there may well be a lie that you've grasped onto, embraced somewhere along the way, and you're holding on to it. Now hear me, Jesus is a gentleman. He won't force himself on you. But if you, if you choose God's truth over Satan's lies, you get the life Jesus promised. But you've got to choose. You've got to choose. You've got to take sides. None of this is going to play both sides stuff because you never get there. You've got to choose sides. So today we're choosing sides. Anybody ready to go to war? Anybody sick of Satan winning these battles for our sons and our daughters and our neighbors and our fellow church members and our own lives? Anybody sick of that? You ready to go to war? Today I want to teach you the three weapons that are in our arsenal from Scripture. And then we're going to win some battles today. Okay? So turn on your camera for a minute. Kind of picture it in your mind if you can. It's impossible. The Bible says it's impossible, but give it a shot. Imagine a scene in heaven. I know it it's, it's blows your mind to even try to think about it. Johnny Erickson wrote, if, if an infant in his mother's womb who's only minutes away from birth could imagine that only minutes away and inches away is the beauty of a sunrise over the Grand Canyon when all he's ever known is the darkness of the womb, then maybe we could imagine the greatness of heaven. Wow. So just try to picture it best you can. Millions of saints from all the generations have gathered around the throne of God. Get that picture in your mind. Angels and saints are there. The apostle John sees the scene in a vision, and here's how he describes it. In Revelation 12, 10, and 11, end times, here we go. I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, it has come at last. Salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ for the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who's that? That's Satan, that's the devil, has been thrown Come on, say it with me. Down, they who have defeated him, they have defeated him. Who's they? He's talking about us. Look at somebody say, he's talking about us. This is is us. They have defeated him by the blood of the lamb, by their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much they were afraid to die. In that simple passage of Scripture, we have three very clear weapons that we can use, and when we use them, we are winning the battle over Satan's evil tricks because we've appropriated God's mighty power in our lives. And then one day we'll be in the throng and we'll get to hear the angels cry out, he's going down once and for all. So you want to learn about the weapons? Just, just take a few minutes to describe each one and then we're going to do battle, okay? Here we go. What's weapon number one? What is it? It's the blood of the lamb. And I I know that's not a popular expression these days. Blood is violent and yucky, and we'd rather talk about peace and love and blessings and grace. But the truth is we're at war, and, and war is bloody. The good news is Jesus shed his blood so we don't have to. 
The gooder news is that his blood can do amazing things. Is gooder a word? Can I say gooder? For one thing, the Bible is very clear that because of his blood, we can have an intimate relationship with God. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. I like the way the message paraphrases it. We can now, without hesitation, walk right up to God into the holy place. Jesus has cleared the way. How? By the blood of his sacrifice, acting as our priest before God. Yes, God is a loving and gracious God, but he's also a holy and just God. And so we can't just say sin's okay because it's not okay. I mean, we all understand the justice system. We know justice doesn't always win, but we all celebrate when it does. You know what justice says. Justice says somebody does the crime, somebody's got to do the time. That's just how it works. Well, the Bible is clear. The wages of sin is death. And so Jesus said in eternity past, would my death be enough to cover everybody's wages? And in that moment, he became our advocate to the Father. He became our high priest. He became our defense attorney. To say, from this point forward, Father, from Calvary forward, when you see Jim, when you see Janet, when you see George, when you see Bill, when you see Sue, when you see Carol, I don't want you to see them. I want you to see my blood that covers them. And I want you to treat them accordingly, you see. And so because that's true, we get to come into his presence at any time. Just come into his presence. I mean, in the early years of me walking with the Lord, I, boy, I, I couldn't wait to get to church on Sunday. I couldn't wait till the band struck up and the music started to play and people started singing. And boy, I just, you know, I just knew as soon as I got there, I, I could be engaged in his presence and the hair would stand up on the back of my neck. And, you know, I just, I love to go to worship events. I'd hear about an event on a Friday night and I'd go and I'd hear about another one on Saturday night and go there. And I'd hear about some exciting thing going on in some other church somewhere else. And I'd go to some other church somewhere else. I just love to be in those settings in the presence of God. And I still do. I still look forward to Sundays. But it finally dawned on me one day, I can come into the presence of God any moment of any day. Not just because the music's good. Not not just because I'm in the right atmosphere among the right people or I'm attending the right church. And certainly not because I'm good enough because I ain't. Because Jesus opened the door by his blood and invited me in. In fact, I can withdraw from where I am right now. Or in a restaurant somewhere and start thinking about grace. The amazing grace that God extended to me, a sinner running from him, making fun of him. Grew up in the faith and knew better, but I made fun of him and I, and I ridiculed him. And I drew as many as I could over to the dark side as I could because I was a leader even then. And yet he extended his grace to me and I can start thinking about that and I could forget about you guys completely and just get lost in the presence of God again over and over and over again. But you can too and some of you do. Understand that's huge because you get to come into his presence but his, it's not just the presence of God we're talking about, it's the power of God we're talking about and it is the power to put Satan in his place. Remember Satan only has tricks, God has Power, and since I have full access to his presence, I have full access to his power, which means I can resist the devil and he'll flee, not because of my power, but because of 
the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for me. Not because I'm strong, but because the blood is strong. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. You follow what he's saying? He said, because Jesus took on human form to die in our place, and yet he conquered death and he rose again. When he did that, he overcame death. Satan came to kill, steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus overcame that. And because he did, we can. You don't have to be a victim anymore. Don't be nobody's victim anymore. Certainly don't be Satan's victim anymore. You can have fulfilling life, abundant life. Jesus invites you to come to him, come into his presence because his blood was shed for you. And you know why that's so important? Why it's so important that you get that? Because as soon as you start to feel the presence of God, it's not unusual for Satan to start whispering in your ear, who do you think you are to be in the presence of a holy God? I know that cuss nasty that you said this week when you got frustrated. I know that attitude that you had when that guy cut you off in traffic. I know how you acted when your wife nagged you one time too many. Come on. Quit preaching, going to meddling, right? He'll start whispering this junk. In other words, I know your past. And so before you know it, you find yourself shrinking back from the presence of God. What's happening? You've started to believe his lies. And in the process, you're building an obstacle. Not too long ago, I had a young baby Christian say to me, Pastor, I, sometimes we get into church and in worship settings and the music's going and I see people, tears, and I see, you know, hands raised and and I, I, there's a worshiper inside of me. I just can't get him out. And I said, what, what do you think is the hindrance? He said, I just start thinking about, you know, what I've done and the things that I've done in the past and, and you know, and, and who I am because of it and the price that I'm paying for some of the stuff that I did and, and all that kind of stuff. You want to guess what I told him? Some of you know what I told him. I said, next time Satan whispers in your ear and reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. And say, get behind me because I'm covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and he's invited me to come into God's presence any time I choose. I have a standing invitation to come into the presence of the God of the universe. Satan, you are a defeated foe, a toothless lion. I am a child of the king. And in that moment, you become like David and Goliath. Entire nation of Israel, scared to death, don't know what to do with that giant. David said, I got him. Well, you better put Satan and Saul's armor on. I don't want Saul's armor. God's called me to take this guy out. I'm going to take him out. So he went down to the river, picked up five smooth stones with his little slingshot thingy, and took Goliath out with one stone. Somebody said, if David was such a man of faith, why did he pick up five stones? Second Chronicles says Goliath had four brothers. I think, <laughs> just in case they showed up, he was going to take them all out. I don't know. That's just me. Here's what I know, Ephesians 1, 19 and 20. I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. It is the same power 
that God used to raise Jesus Christ from the dead. So what does Revelation 12 say? Our first weapon is you have defeated him by the blood of the lamb. And who are they? They is us. Say it with me. We are they. We are they. Ready for weapon two? It's going to get harder, okay, because now it's our part. Weapon two is our testimony. Weapon two is our testimony. This becomes really important. The word testimony actually carries the, is the Greek word martyria, and martyria carries with it the idea of evidence as well as witness. When you think of testimony, what do you think of? I mean, you, you, you think of somebody in a court trial who's come and they take an oath and they give testimony. They sit as a witness to a crime and they give their testimony. How, how many of you have ever served on jury duty? few of you. When you were on jury duty, did you ever have a witness that, that had no credibility? I mean, they said stuff, but you sat there going, eh, uh, I don't, uh. Why? Because you're not just listening for words, you're looking for evidence, right? I was on jury duty one time several years ago, and uh, two guys had gotten in a fight in a bar, and and the fight had broken up, but a little while later, one of the guys was leaving, and the other guy reached over his shoulders. Sorry to gross you out. Prepare yourself. But he reached over his shoulder, stuck a knife in his mouth, and cut him all the way to his ear. And so he was on trial for attempted murder, deadly weapon, all that stuff. And uh, it's almost hilarious if it weren't so serious. But uh, the defense attorney brought up an expert witness to say that it wasn't uh, the defendant, uh, bec- and this is what it, the, the, the expert witness was his best friend who said, I know Charles didn't do it because Charles carries a hawk bill and that's the kind of scar that's made by a straight blade. Kind of discounted his testimony there, just really paid much attention to that. And then he brought up a character witness and it was his mama who said, my boy would not have done that. Okay, God love your mama, but I think maybe he did. <laughs> And then they paraded a bunch of witnesses that watched it happen. And then there's forensics and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and anybody think we found him guilty? Yeah. Why? Because the words didn't match the evidence. Now, I'm going somewhere. I want you to follow me on this thing. Because when the words and the evidence linked, something happened. Action was taken. You follow me? So that's why we have to have both weapons in order to defeat the enemy. Jesus has already done his part. He gave his life. He shed his blood. He conquered death, hell, and the grave and rose again. He did his part. Now we have to do our part, and it can't just be lip service. It can't just be words. There has to be evidence to support the words in order for them to be credible words. It makes sense. If, if you've got a, a tube in your hands and it says Colgate toothpaste on it and you take that tube and you squeeze it, what's going to come out? Well, I don't know what's going to come out. Until you squeeze it, I don't, I don't know what's going to come out. I mean, the label says Colgate toothpaste, but what's going to come out is whatever somebody put in there. And, and the label might say Colgate, but somebody might have put ketchup in there, in which case Colgate ain't coming out ketchup is coming out. Is this making sense? 
So when Satan puts on the squeeze, and he will, what comes out is not the label, it's not the words that you've been saying, it's not the Christian jargon that you've learned, or the prayers that you've learn to memorize or the songs that you've sung or, or even the testimony that you've given to people out there on the street, what's going to come out is what's inside. Remember we started this series, you that were here, we started this series by saying that beliefs have behaviors and behaviors ultimately lead to destinations. And so there's got to be a connection between beliefs which become behaviors and your words in order for your testimony to be a weapon in this battle against the enemy because Satan's going to put you in the squeeze. And what comes out is your testimony, not just your words, but what's your words and the evidence that goes with it, not just what you say, but what you truly believe. So when you stand up and say, you know, I, I'm starting to believe that God really does care about me. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to believe that. I'm ready to commit my life to follow him, and, and I'm ready for a, for a healthy lifestyle, and I'm ready for a sense of purpose in life, and I'm, I'm ready to remove the wall that's been separating me from God. Anybody think Satan's going to say, oh, well, lost another one? No, he's going to crank the pressure up. He's not going to let go easily. He's going to increase the pressure to see if you're for real. Now, don't get scared. Did I tell you you don't have to be scared of the devil? Because this is where it gets good. When your words match what you really believe, I'm coming back to this in a minute, so hear it. When your words match what you really believe, the first weapon gets applied to repel him. What was the first weapon? Blood of the Lamb, that's already been shed. That battle's already been won. And so when your words match what you really believe, that's your testimony. It gets partnered with the blood that's already been shared, and Satan can't do anything but flee from that. Okay, well, that's logical, Pastor, but can you give me Bible for that? Well, sure. Here's, here's from the very beginning. Here's one of them, Romans chapter 10 even as you begin this relationship with Jesus. Look what it says. Chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. If you use your mouth to say Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, then you will be saved. Do you see what he's saying? In order to be saved, in order to get a fresh start, in order to be forgiven, in order to establish this new life in Christ, what has to happen? Both the words... And the belief have to come together. We believe with our hearts, and so we're made right with God, and we use our mouths to say that we believe, and so we are saved. So both words and belief. When words match up with belief, that's your testimony. So hear me. What you say about yourself, about God, about other people, about life, when that matches what you genuinely believe and it lines up with what God says, that's when his power is released. Then Satan comes at you with his feeble little tricks and it's water off a duck's back because the power of your testimony 
combined with his blood, repels him every time, and the wall of separation starts to crumble. You just took a rock off. So before we get to the third weapon, let me be as clear as I know how about this, okay? Uh, how, how does the wall or these strongholds get built? Hello, are you out there? How do they happen? Anytime we choose to believe one of Satan's lies and act on those lies, maybe it's the lie that pleasure is the most important thing in life. Maybe it's the lie that, that if you get some more stuff, you'll feel better about yourself and be more respected and liked. Maybe it's the lie if you focus on yourself and you get a better position, a higher position, a higher title, maybe if you'll get self-centered, you'll finally have self-worth. You start to believe one of his lies. What happens? Strongholds begin to form. What happens when we choose the truth? The power of the blood combined with our testimony and the wall begins to crumble. They defeated him by the power of the Lamb and our testimony. Now, I mentioned it gets harder as you go, so what's weapon three? Weapon three, I just simply call it my desire to really live. My desire to really live. Go back to Revelation 12, verse 11. They've defeated him because they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Now, that one's a little more confusing to some, so let me break this down a little bit. We're going to wrap this up, but I don't want to belabor this point. I just want to get it made. Um, I've talked to so many people over the years who have accepted Christ. They've said, yeah, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he uh, was born of a virgin. I believe he died for my sins. I believe he rose from the grave. I believe that if I'll confess my sins, he will forgive me. I accept him as my Savior, and I believe that, that when the time comes, I'm going to stand before God, and he's going to welcome me into heaven because of what Jesus did and because I trusted what Jesus did. But I still feel alone. I still have a hard time connecting with people. I still find myself doing the old stuff that I used to do and I can't seem to break free from it. I still struggle with some of these old ideas. And the answer is because you build a wall and the wall's got to come down. You're saved. You're going to heaven. We're not talking about whether you're going to heaven. That's, that's by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. We're not saved by works, Ephesians said. We're saved by grace. Saved by works, we get to brag about, hey, I did lots of good works, therefore I'm saved. And, and we're competitive people. We start comparing works. Well, what'd you do, Gary? Well, here's what I did. I did more than you did. And before you know it, we just lost it all, right? We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace, but the walls are still there. So you gotta, you got to begin to break it down. Let, let me illustrate it this way. There's so many ways I could illustrate this, but, but from my own life, this, this is a stronghold that I built early, very early in life. And it was one of the hardest things I ever broke. When I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I was still a kid. I mean, I was still in high school. It was the night before I finished high school when I gave my life to Christ. And up to that point, I had been living the lie. I had been going to church on Sunday with a white shirt and a tie on. And, you know, everybody thought Jimmy was a Christian. Of course, he's a Christian. Taught, you know, Sunday school class on Youth Sunday and did all that stuff. But, but uh, during the week, behind the scenes, I was anything but. Um, 
I don't talk a lot about this. I'm not proud of it. I certainly don't brag about it, but I was, I couldn't get through the day my senior year without a drink. I come from a long line of alcoholics on my dad's side and my mother's side. Started smoking when I was 13, was proud of the fact that I was the only kid on the block who could inhale, as though that's something to be proud of, but I was. And the night I gave my life to Christ, I immediately said, you know, I got I got there's some stuff I gotta get rid of. Seventeen years old. I walked out, opened the trunk of my car, and pulled out, poured out a fifth of gin, just poured it out on the ground. And I haven't struggled with alcohol since. Some of you, that's a battle. For me, it was, I'm done. Profanity and vulgarities and all that stuff that used to spew from my mouth. There were a couple of times, two weeks later, two months later, when I got mad, and before you know it, you know, now I use Christian cuss words. I hit my thumb with a hammer, and I say, praise the Lord, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. See, you know, it's just got a Christian. But I won that battle pretty quickly. Our boys are growing up. The rule was if you hear me say the word, you can say the word. If you don't hear me the word, you can't say the word. And that was the rule with our boys all the years that they were growing up. It's just I won that battle pretty quickly. But smoking was a bear for me. I don't know how many of you ever quit smoking or still struggling with it, but it was hard. Hardest thing I've ever done. But the reality of this came home for me in that battle because I went on this journey. I don't know if you guys are related to this, but I went on this journey of knowing I should quit, but I really don't want to. Now, you can apply whatever. You can apply you know, eating unhealthy foods. You can apply going to places you shouldn't go. You can apply it to, to dysfunctional relationships you're staying in you ought to break free from. You apply it to whatever lies Satan's told you. This is the way you are, and it's always going to be that way. For me, it was cigarettes, and it was going to, you know, I, I should quit, but I don't want to. And then I went to, I wish I wanted to, but I don't. To, I want to want to. And I'd quit for a while and pick it up and quit for a while and pick it up. And, and finally, I came to a place where I said, I picked up a cigarette. I hadn't smoked in a couple of weeks. I still remember it vividly, 45, six years ago, but but I picked up a cigarette and I lit it and took one hit on it and thought, why am I doing this? I'm not a smoker. You see, something happened in my heart, not just my words, I want to quit, I don't want to do this, but in my heart, something changed. I am not a smoker. And when my beliefs lined up with my words... I've never been tempted to smoke since because I won that battle. I'd go into a restaurant after that back in the days when they had smoking sections in restaurants. I'd walk in. If the smoking section was too big, I'd say, sorry, I'm going to have to go somewhere else because I can't stand that smell anymore. used to go, oh, that smells so good. I really ought to. And now, no, I don't want any part of that. Is this making sense, guys? When something happens, not just in what you're saying, but when you genuinely believe this is true, that's when God's power is available. Now, anybody think that journey was easy? No, it was hard. It was a hard journey. But here's what I need you to hear me say. I realized along the way when I'm saying, oh, it's so hard. Who was I being merciful to? Me? 
No, I was being merciful to the devil whose agenda was to steal, kill, and destroy me. Why would I be merciful to him? And that's when I decided it's time to be ruthless about this thing and cut this thing out of my life, and I'm done with this thing. I ain't worried about this thing anymore. And when that moment happened, my testimony combined with God's power, and it broke that stronghold in my life. Now, you again, apply that to wherever you have to, but you've got to come to that place where not only is Jesus' blood powerful enough, and not only is your testimony, your words matching your beliefs, but you are willing to say, I want life in all its fullness more than I want these pleasures. More than I want these possessions. I want life in all its fullness more than I want this position. And as you die to self and become alive in Christ, you have the power to begin to break down every barrier between you and your God. Again, God's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you, but Satan is not. And he's glad to give you any, to use any opening you will give him. So go back to the beginning and I'll wrap this thing up. How do strongholds form? By believing Satan's lies. How do you tear them down? By believing, confessing the truth, applying Jesus' blood to it. When you do that, you find yourself getting closer and closer in intimacy with God and with his people. I still got a journey to go. I still got a ways to go, just like you do. Every one of us woke up this morning with another battle and another thing. That's just the reality of, of being human beings. But I got to tell you, year by year, month by month, he showed me new things, and I've been able to win those battles because now I understand the weapons that I'm fighting with, and I ain't showing no mercy to anything that blocks me from having intimacy with God. That's what the Hebrew writer meant. In Hebrews 12, 1, we should, read it with me, one, two, three, go. We should remove our lives from our lives anything that would get in the way and the sin that so easily holds us back. So who do you think you're showing mercy to? Yourself? Ha! The only one you're showing mercy to is the devil. By continuing to hold on to those lies. And, and yes, change is hard. Breaking from the pleasure trap is hard. You've got to love life more than your next fix. Breaking free from the materialism trap is, is hard. You know, we have an amazing capacity to develop a lifestyle, a standard of living, and then once we develop it, believe that somehow we deserve it and we have to maintain it. We have to drive a certain style car and we have to live in a certain style house and, and we have to have certain style fashions. And once we get to a certain level, oh, we've just failed if we fall back. Who told you that lie? As if your self-worth has anything to do with your net worth. 
Nothing wrong with possessions, but you got to, it's hard to break free from that thing. And we'll feel justified to do whatever we have to to maintain it. We'll, we'll be dishonest to work if we have to to make a few extra bucks. We'll, we'll rationalize why we can't pay this debt because, you know, there's a reason why. Well, it's probably not even an honest debt. I'm not going to pay that one. We'll rationalize why we don't have to tithe, even though we're cutting God out of the equation when we do. It's hard. It's hard to break free from self-centeredness, that pattern that says it's all about me, that position is most important and I'm not getting enough attention, even though that becomes a trap that leads to helplessness and hopelessness and loneliness. We talked about that, but guys, the benefits of, of, of fighting these battles are worth it. Here's how David put it in his journey, Psalm 32. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. And I groaned all day long. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. And you forgave me. Read it with me. All my guilt is gone. Now we're talking about really living. Yeah, come on. Now we're talking about meeting new people and not living in fear of they know what's really going on because I ain't got no skeletons. I've made mistakes, but they're under the blood. I've gotten it wrong sometimes, but I've made it right. People with integrity mess up, they just own up. When you start living that way, that's when you're finally living. So hear me, guys. I've got to close, but it's time, it's time to get mad at the devil. It's time to put him in his place. It's time to start using our weapons, the blood of the Lamb, my testimony, words and beliefs. And ultimately, I love the life that God has prepared for me. I'm done giving him a foothold in my life and I'm not just going to whittle away at the wall. I'm busting the wall down. I am done with this thing. I don't want anything to separate me from God. I'm stepping out. When I give my life to Jesus Christ and, and Satan says, you're, you're just the same old person. No, sir, that's a lie. If anyone belongs to Christ, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. The, the old is gone, the new has come. When he says that materialism life, you become a giver, you're going to starve. No, 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 no. When I was young, I, and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. That's the truth. When he says, you're never going to overcome this stuff. Are you kidding me? You're never going to. Yes, I am. I am more than conqueror in Christ Jesus. I am able to do everything he calls me to do. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and of a sound mind. I am his. You to do battle? You got to draw the line in the sand. You ready to stand with me? Come on, stand up. I'm going to read it. I don't know where this came from. I just absolutely love it. It's been one of the mantras of my life for a long time. 
I want it to be the mantra of yours. I'll give it to you. Email me, info at bridgechurch.cc. I'll send it to you. I want you to close your eyes with me. I want you to just track with me. And then I want you to pray that prayer with me this morning, okay? I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I am finished and done with low living, sight walking, smooth knees, cuddleless dreams, tamed visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, promotions, plaudits, or, pros- or popularity. I don't have to be right. First, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience, am lifted up by prayer. I labor in the power of the Holy Spirit. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions are few, my guide is reliable, my mission is clear, I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the enemy, pander at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up, until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till all know, work until he stops me, and when he comes for his own, he will have no problem recognizing me because my banner will be clear. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Any followers of Jesus Christ in this house this morning? Yeah! Nope, Satan! You ain't got no power over us! We win. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in our hearts today. And I pray that as we go from this place and the war continues, that we'll remember that we have weapons to win these battles. The blood of the Lamb slain before the foundations of the world. Our testimony, both words and evidence in our beliefs and our willingness to sigh, I will die to Satan's schemes and the world's culture, and I will live to fulfilling life. Thank you, Jesus, for the weapons. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. Thank you for the fulfilling life that's going to come. In Jesus' name, keep your heads bowed for just a second. I'm going to let you go, but some of you may be came to this place today, maybe you're here for the first time, maybe, uh, maybe you've been here many times in many churches over the years, but you've never come to this place where you've stepped across the line and said, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Can I beg you not to leave this room until you've settled it today? 
can I beg you not to leave this place until you've established? You stepped across the line. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. You may not understand everything there is to understand. You don't have to. You don't have to understand the internal workings of a gas combustion engine to go get out there and start your car and drive away. You just need to know it's true. But it begins with a commitment. So believers, would you pray? Followers, would you pray? And those of you that haven't stepped across that line of faith, either in this room or online, would you pray with me right now? Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. Thank you for coming back to life. And thank you for making provision for me to have a relationship with God. I want the fulfilling life that you promised. I give my life to you. Give me new life, a fresh start today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I really, really, really want to know. We already read the passage. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, well, confession's part of this. So the altar's going to be open. The prayer team will be here. You can come to the altar before you leave. They'll pray with you today. You can text me. Just send me new life at 55498, and one of us on the team will follow up with you, and we'll pray with you that way. 21st century way to do Romans chapter 10. We, we just need you to let us know so that we can help you on this journey. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for bringing us to this house. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. Thank you for sending us out now into the world. The church may be leaving the building, but we're still the church. Use us for your glory and give us the abundant life that you promised in the process. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said,